Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this episode is all about the recent uh, Star Wars Resistance panel at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Uh, Celebration is wrapped up. Uh, A lot of cool information came out this year, Um, some surprises, a lot of good stuff. Um, I'm going to do a full wrap-up episode uh, within the next week or so. I've already done my The Rise of Skywalker teaser trailer review, which kind of acted as a de facto episode 9 wrap-up. Um, but this one is all about uh, the panel they did for Star Wars Resistance. It was a chance to reminisce about Season 1, a little bit of a sneak peek of Season 2. Um, but I will uh, go through all that and hit the high points of what they talked about uh, to get us ready f- for the next season, kind of get us through the uh, the few months that we're going to have to wait for new material. Uh, before I do, um, as I say, there will be a complete Star Wars Celebration wrap-up episode. Uh, I'll cover uh, the game Jedi Fallen Order, The Mandalorian, uh, Clone Wars, uh, the final season, uh, in publishing news, uh, a lot of good stuff. So uh, there'll be plenty to talk about as far as that. Uh, also, on a uh, personal note, um, my son, little Han, and I uh, put together the Major Von Reg TIE Fighter from LEGO. And uh, I posted a bunch of stuff on Instagram and Twitter about doing that. Uh, we had, had a lot of fun putting that together. It's an awesome set. Uh, the TIE Fighter is really well built. Uh, it was a, a pretty fun build. Um, you would think if it's something kind of monochromatic, like uh, such a red TIE Fighter, it might be a hard build, but it really wasn't. They gave it enough color and personality, I guess, uh, to make it really easy to do. Uh, it comes with Major Von Rag and Kaz, Bucket, and Leia. Uh, so. Little Han had fun playing with those. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely a good set to check out. Don't know when I'll be getting the Griff uh, Black Ace set. Um, it would... Honestly, a little underwhelmed that... Yes, it comes with Griff, of course, but it comes with Poe and BB-8. Well, I want more characters from the show. Um, the, as we were building it, uh, Little Han was saying... Where's the Niku figure? I want the Niku figure. I'm like, well, it's not out yet. Um, but hopefully, uh, there wasn't a lot of toy news of that sort at Celebration, but hopefully there are more Resistance LEGO sets coming down the pike. Um, maybe we'll find out over the summer, or maybe at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, but if, if you want to see us um, having fun with that, we're, uh, it's on Instagram and Twitter on my Radio Dakar account, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. And uh, before I get into the the actual panel, I, I do have to give a shout-out to Marna Velasco. Uh, as I mentioned on one of my episode reviews, I mentioned that I helped Marna get her Toradoza action figure. Um, long story short, 
um, she mentioned that they weren't getting them on the west coast um, and whereas I was having more luck on the east side finding the figures I said well if I find an extra tour I'll send it to you it's no problem and so I did and uh, got it to her and all I asked in return was an autograph uh, and she uh, was more than happy to oblige that I received that uh, a few weeks ago uh, I've got a frame just on my shelf and it, it, it was just neat to be able to help her out with that um, but she was uh, during celebration interviewed by Anthony Carboni for the live Star Wars show that was streaming the entire weekend and Anthony asked her how many Torah figures she has and she says she just has the one that I gave her and she mentioned the podcast by name uh, she was looking for me um, said my name uh, unfortunately I was not there uh, you know, wasn't able to attend uh, I wasn't watching this live I was actually alerted to it by um, a loyal viewer and listener um, rural farm boy but I was able to back uh, go on YouTube and back up the live stream and uh, see her interview Look, Myrna's just a sweetheart anyway. Um, I talked about how great she is. And as, as I'll talk about from the panel recap, she is Torah. She is just so lively and such a great person. Um, but that, that was very sweet of her to, to mention that. And, and it's, you know, I sent her that a few months ago. And I figured in that amount of time she would be able to get extra figures and, you know, maybe buy a few to give to friends or whatever but as she said on the interview that's the the one I gave her is the only one she has uh, so that, that that's that's cool I'm glad you glad you cherish your figure Marta um, I, ho I hope to meet her someday at a convention uh, they announced it it's uh, Star Wars celebrations in Anaheim next year um, I have family who lives in California I've got a pl plenty of sky miles I I might go. We'll see. Anyway, um, I'll get into the resistance panel, and that'll be the remainder of this episode. Uh, it was conducted by David Collins, who, as it turns out, is the sound editor on the show. I never put that together, so that was really awesome. Uh, David did a good job hosting, uh, but they had um, Justin Ridge, Athena Portillo, uh, Brandon Allman from the... Um, uh, creative team, and then Christopher Sean, Susie McGroth, Scott Lawrence, Marta Velasco, Donald Faison, and Bobby Moynihan were on stage. Donald and Bobby were immediately off stage, running through the crowd. Um, uh, from right from the beginning, this was just a fun panel to watch because everybody was having such a good time, and you can tell they love doing this show, and that that's what makes it special to talk about the show all the time. Um, I will mention, I wasn't watching it live, but I did go back and watch the live stream um, it, where it was edited down to just what they were talking about on stage. Um, so I um, made notes off of that, and I completed it with some notes from uh, Jonah Marie Macias, who, who's been a great guest on the show, uh, with her um, Wookie Gunner account, TWG site on Twitter. Um, I referenced a couple of her notes to finish it out. 
Um, so credit to her uh, for being there and getting, as it turns out, getting to see episode one of season two. Yeah, lucky, lucky her, lucky everybody in the room. Um, that that's cool. I mean, it was a perk of being there. Um, you know, I won't see it till October, I'm sure, but that's okay. Um, so I will not. I haven't read anything about the episode. Haven't tried to look it up, so I that is not in my notes. I don't know anything about that episode. I'm just going to talk about what everybody on stage talked about and the little bit tidbits about season two, and then that will wrap up the show. Uh, just kind of running through my notes. Uh, they made sure to give credit to Emmy Beth Christensen, who has been in uh, the animation and pr- uh, production team since the beginning uh, with the early concept art for the show. Uh, we, we knew that Dave Filoni um, came up with the idea because of his love of planes and flying. Um, and then he handed it off to Justin Ridge to be the showrunner. Um, uh, Dave wasn't there, but they had many good things to say about him. I mean, he's at this point the godfather of Star Wars. Uh, he's attached to all the series they have going on. He'll probably do a movie at some point, and I think it deservedly so. Uh, they talked about the um, anime inspirations for the show, like Robotech. And they said uh, the show came out of the idea of showing, uh, they used the term slice of life, um, but what's the state of the galaxy before the sequel trilogy, before The Force Awakens? Um, there's peace, but the threat with the First Order is boiling under the surface. And, and it's it's clear that's you know, that's what we got in Season 1. Uh, it's in some cases a very day-in-the-life type thing. And I think that's neat. It doesn't always have to be about the conflict and the, the big battles that are going on. I like it when Star Wars can kind of slow down and show us that. So that was one of the strengths of the first season. I thought. I did like they said uh, Kaz is like a bird. That he's great in the air. He's a tremendous pilot. But he's clumsy on the ground. You know, as he was learning to be a spy and a mechanic. And to shoot a, shoot a blaster. Um, so that, that was just a tremendous metaphor for Kaz. I thought that was a good way to describe him. Now, I, I understand that animation especially, but any TV takes years to get off the ground. You know, you have the concept and the pre-production and the casting and all this, but the timeline they gave out was really surprising to me that this began, they did, they were doing character design in 2015, which is before The Force Awakens came out, because it came out that December. So they had been working on this for a while. Clearly, I'm not in the field, so I, I thought, well, maybe it's been a couple of years in the making, um, so late 2016, perhaps. But no, they'd been at it since 2015. They've been writing it since 2016. Uh, they cast it in 2017. So, yeah, the, the process was interesting. I was very fascinated by that. Oh, they they, they did um, bring up that one dude who. Um, He's uh, 
appear to be Asian or Asian American. Uh, just a tremendous Kaz player, as they say. And there, there was some cool resistance cosplay uh, over the time at Celebration. So th that was really cool to see. Um, really cool Sonara, several Tora, um, t uh, Tam, Kaz. Kaz's New Republic X-Wing uh, outfit, too, the blue one. I thought that was cool. Uh, a couple of Griffs. I, I do appreciate that Griff is very easy for middle-aged men to pull off. You know, because they can just wear a you know sleeveless shirt and a and a helmet. Um, quick side note, and I mentioned it on, on the emergency broadcast uh, that uh, Fanboy Expo here in Knoxville is this summer, and that Christopher Sean, Susan McGrath, and Scott Lawrence are going to be here. So very resistance themed. Cannot wait. So excited. Uh, as as of this recording, it's 87 days away. But I've been working with little Han about, okay, we we got to dress up for this. So, you know, so we, we're trying to plan out Resistance characters. Don't have anything nailed down yet, but um, once we decide, you'll see. You'll see the photos and such. Uh, so, but, yeah, so great cosplayers the whole time. Uh, moving along, each person got a chance to talk about their character, what they, uh, what stood out for them. I'll just kind of run through some brief notes. Uh, Christopher Sean, uh, the one that stuck out to me was talking about that Kaz would give up his life for others, um, that he's standing up for um, uh, for himself and what he believes in. Uh, Susie uh, talked about Tam's emotional growth through the season, and then Donald Faison uh, chimed in. Um, you know, it goes back to the uh, way back, uh, the High Tower, yes, episode four or five, about uh, Tam and Hype were friends, but Hype forgot about Tam, and that, you know, that influenced how you know hurt, growing distrust of people throughout the season, um, and uh, they talked about it later, but um, there was really a focus on Tam and how she felt betrayed how she felt, you know, the chance to join the First Order was uh, to get away from the deceit. Uh, they felt like family to her. And the way Susie played it, um, yeah, I hope to, I hope to, when I meet Susie this summer, I really hope to talk to her about that. That, you know, she did such a great job laying the seeds all season to where it really was a logical choice for Tam to go with them. Uh, let's see. I wrote their initials. I'm trying to remember who's who. Oh, yeah, Scott Lawrence, SL. Okay, um, it, a really cool tidbit, and he mentioned on the Star Wars show before, he was the voice of Darth Vader in the 90s video games, um, and he did uh, a couple of lines. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, so he has uh, that Star Wars background from way back. And he said he liked working off Yeager's backstory, uh, which I've talked about. Yeager's my favorite character. And what they added with his history as a rebel pilot and the tragedy with his family and the, the strained relationship with his brother. Um, that just allowed him to build a build on that character. And, and what he did um, 
with some badass moments throughout the season, especially later on. Uh, really helped him to shine. Um, you know, I, I liked his enthusiasm. I mean, everybody, I'll say it again, their enthusiasm for being on the show and playing their characters it was so obvious. Um, they have fun with it. They, they care about what they're in. Some people are just, like Bobby and Donald, are just so thrilled to be in a Star Wars. And it's, it's great to feed off their their excitement about it. Uh, Myrna, uh, it was it was really cool. You know, she's talking about you know getting to play a pilot, and she said she wanted to be in the Air Force, uh, but she wasn't good with rules. And uh, give a shout out to women pilots. Um, and you talk about Tor's character. You know, she has no one to hang out with. She better be good at stuff. I think that's a direct quote. Um, so yeah, you know, people are talking about, well, you know, how's how's she so young and such a great pilot, and um, you know, like with with her um, acrobatic abilities, you know, when we see her evading stormtroopers and uh, helping Kaz uh, sneak around. Hey, you know, nothing better to do. She just got good at that. And um, he wasn't there, but they talked a lot about Jason Hightower being the uh, the, uh, the class clown of the group, and how he was able to bond with Myrna since they're both Mexican American, and, and would speak Spanish to each other. So they were able to develop that father-daughter relationship uh, before doing it on screen. Uh, Donald. He said he became an actor because he wanted to be in a Star Wars. Uh, I, you know, I just mentioned that. Uh, that was his uh, his passion. He said he wanted to fly the Millennium Falcon as a kid. He loves being a pilot. Here he is as one of the best pilots. And uh, I like that Bobby Moynihan said he looks at Orca, uh, at his character every day, and smiles. Um, you know, and they did ask... You know, I hadn't really thought about this, but they asked, uh, was... Uh, like the Flicks and Orca dialogue, mostly scripted. Was there any improv uh, with Jim Rash? And Bobby said, uh, it's mostly scripted, but then they trail off at the end and kind of record bits and pieces there. Um, yeah, they got him to do a drunk uncle um, uh, bit, which is an SNL character. Um, I, I've lo loved him from way back, so it's cool to see him incorporate that uh, on stage. Uh, he did mention that Orca's drunk uncle would be Al from the bar. Uh, yeah, that was neat. Um, I do like that they confirmed that they they do cast recordings together. You know, I've always wondered. You know, we've seen on enough behind the scenes stuff that, like the uh, the main cast of Clone Wars and the Rebels cast would do ensemble recordings. Uh, sounds like they do that on Resistance too. And I hope that I can ask Christopher about this when I meet him, um, because you know Kaz, is, he's in every episode. He's he's the main character, and he interacts with, you know, like in Dangerous Business, it was mostly with Flix and Orca, and then you know sometimes it's just Team Fireball, sometimes it's hanging out with Tora. Um, so obviously Christopher's there a lot. I just wondered, you know, do they just rotate in who's there for the episode, or do they just keep everybody in there to feed off each other? Um, 
but but it's neat to know they do a lot of cast uh, ensembles. Uh, they moved on to favorite episodes, and this was a good discussion because um, it actually goes back to a lot of the ones that uh, I discussed with Jonah Marie Macias when we did the season review. Uh, Susie mentioned she, she loves Sonara's score. Um, Myrna, she didn't name the episode, but it was uh, uh, where the line was, Sonara is a dangerous woman. And she, she liked that there's dangerous women on the show. And uh, Sonara, Sonara just became such a great character all season. I'm um, glad they, they mentioned her. Um, Christopher mentioned No Escape Part 1, specifically when Hosnian Prime was destroyed. And, and they gave a shout-out to him for his performance, which was, like, on an emotional level, really the highlight of the season. Uh, the way he was able to project that and handle it. And, yeah, so I love Scott's answer. Um, the one where the Colossus turned into a ship. And flew away. Um, uh, they, uh, I've got it further down in the notes because they mentioned it later, but you know they said it was always the intention for the Colossus to be a ship. It wasn't like halfway through the season they thought, oh, let's just do this. Um, but they had that as a plan, but it still came as a great shock uh, to some and obviously to the viewers. So I like that he mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> Bobby said uh, the one where. Um, it turns out that Orca is a Jedi, and they were like, oh, that's season two, we haven't shown that yet. Um, that was a great exchange. He gave a shout-out to the representation on the show, uh, which I love to mention. It's a very diverse cast. They play equally diverse characters. I mean, it's a big, it's a big galaxy. There's going to be a lot of different people, uh, just like on, on our world. So I'm, I'm glad they that he brought that up, because, um, yes, I'm a b big believer in the Star Wars representation. It should be for everybody. Uh, Donald said, um, anytime hype wins a race, which was most of the times. Um, always, always loved the racing on the season. Uh, Athena mentioned the Bebo episode, and then Donald did agree with that. Uh, Bebo is my son's favorite episode, so, yes, yeah, shout out to that one, and uh, he wasn't there either, but Josh Brenner, uh, as Niku, they gave him a lot of credit for the emotion of that episode. Uh, Brandon mentioned Platform Classic, which is one of mine, um, just because of, you know, that emotional story with Yeager and his brother. And uh, they just mentioned that uh, Scott is treated like Yeager. Um, amongst the cast, he's he's the veteran, um, kind of the father figure. Uh, Justin said his favorite was the finale. Um, uh, that was it for favorite episodes, favorite moments. Uh, I mentioned where they always had the intention for the Colossus to be a ship. They did say, and I put it in quotation marks, now's when they can start the chase. So... Uh, they'll be interesting if it's like literally they're always on the run and, and the first order's in hot pursuit, you know, if that begins season two, that'll be pretty cool. Rather than, yeah, I thought maybe it'd be a case of, you know, they come out of hyperspace, they find a, either in the middle of space or like the nearby planet, they just find a place to lay low, uh, check out the ship, see if they need to do any repairs, 
kind of get everybody settled down. Um, and then maybe later on the first order would show up, but it sounds like they're going to be, well, as I said, the chase is on. So it's going to be a little more frenetic than that. Uh, they discussed how uh, from the mid-season on, uh, I think Christopher was talking about this, uh, you know, you had the stormtroopers, it just kept getting darker and darker. That's when Kaz had to grow up more as a person. And I talked about it with Jonah Marie. The, the second half of the season, it was just so strong and built and built and built and built as, you know, exponential number of stormtroopers and TIE fighters showed up. Uh, leading to the just the massive con uh, conflict at the end. Um, I, shoot, I didn't write it down who said this. I think it was Donald. Um, about bringing, you know, it was important to bring the characters together before the tearing them apart. Um, not not only in the recording sessions, but um, having the you know characters interact. Um, you know. It, they didn't mention this, but it makes me think of the one where um, Kaz and Tam and Tora and Sonara are all in Tora's room playing video games. You know, they're having that moment of togetherness before... Um, I guess it was the Doza Dilemma. Um, you know, before Sonara, you know, has to escape with the pirates and Tam joins the First Order. Um... Yeah, they kept mentioning growing conflict and tension within Team Fireball. Um, yeah, I'm just jumping around, but this is what they were talking about. Um, you know, they mentioned, uh, Christopher was talking about this, in peacetime, you know, no one knows about war. And it's a good way to show, like, th there's these younger characters in this generation who weren't even alive when the Empire fell. Yes, Yeager and Griff, people and Doza, people like that remember it, but everybody else has grown up in peacetime, and that's why you would trust the First Order, because they say they're there to keep the peace from the renegades, like the pirates, even though their true intentions are something worse. Um, so that you know, that's been a good thing they covered. Uh, during the season. Uh, I already mentioned the slice of life. Um, and, you know, they you know, kind of wrapped it up, the season one talk, you know, talking more about Tam, how she went on that emotional journey. Uh, the First Order showed her things, uh, kind of enlightened her. And, and the really interesting thing they mentioned was that they took Susie away from the recordings, so it was just the other cast members recording. I guess while Susie was off doing her, um, the Tam Tierney uh, material on her own, uh, or it was Sumali Matano. Uh, and then, you know, Myrna said, you know, started to notice that she wasn't around as much, um, so that helped everybody's um, emotional delivery and you could really tell in those later episodes of the season uh, just the tension there and the um, yeah, but just the conflict and you know I mentioned it when I did the season uh, the season finale review that one scene 
with Tam and Yeager and Kaz. I mean, that was I. I cannot imagine how t- emotional that was in the recording room when they're all uh, giving the dialogue. And I, you know, I think Brandon mentioned that uh, that it was you know kind of emotional for him to write that scene. Um, so yeah, what they did with the cast recordings and uh, the family dynamic before creating that separation really paid off with how they ended the season. Uh, well, they did give a shout out to the shorts. Um, uh, Bobby was um, glad he got to work with Donald on the that one where Hype and Orca uh, were t- together. Yeah, all those shorts were great. Uh, they're probably still on YouTube. I think they're on the Disney Now app. Yeah, please check those out if you never saw them because they were great. Uh, they came out between like at the mid-season point of the season. I hope they do more of those. Um, so they briefly touched on season two uh, before they showed the season premiere. Um, they mentioned that whereas you know Last Jedi took place immediately after The Force Awakens, season two takes place immediately after season one, so they'll jump right in um, so we can find out what happens next. That means they'll be up against the timeline of The Last Jedi. Um, so that, they guess... They, they didn't say anything about it, but that gives me hope for season three, maybe more than that. So maybe they'll cover that, depending on how fast the, uh, the season goes, timeline-wise. They can cover the events of up to the events of The Last Jedi, and then right after that. And then season three could coincide with The Rise of Skywalker. Maybe season four. Um... So uh, they they seem to have a really good plan for that. Uh, that's honestly all they said about season two before they showed the premiere. But again, I didn't see it. I haven't read anything about it, so I'm not even going to talk about it. I will I will mention uh, they after it was over they handed out um, I think Justin drew it a season two uh, unofficial season two poster where it's got the the Colossus uh, Blowfish Squadron. I'm sticking with the name until they didn't do anything to disprove it at the panel. Um, all the main characters are there, but it was Kaz on one side, Tam on the other, looking... Uh, she appeared to be wearing an agent's outfit like Tierney, so we'll see what they have in mind for her. Uh, the one that stuck out to me on the poster, though, was that Jace Rucklin was on the First Order side in a similar uniform. And we did see him being taken away by the stormtroopers during the occupation. Uh, I think it was in Descent. Or No Escape Part 1. Um, so it looks like uh, Jace will show up in Season 2, uh, Elisha Wood's character. Um, so in- interesting. Considering how he felt about Kaz and some of his ambitions, I can see why he would join the First Order. So I- I'm very interested to see what happens with him. So, not too much revealed about Season 2, but enough to whet our appetite. Uh, just cannot wait. Uh, it should be amazing. Especially, you know, with the events of The Last Jedi taking place around them. Uh, but but that was it. That was about all the Resistance news from Celebration. Great stuff. I'm sure we'll find out more. Uh, they'll drop little hints between now and October. Um, but I'll be sure to report on it.
but that's it. Um, again, I will have a full celebration wrap up at some point, and there'll be other other topics and episodes uh, coming uh, throughout the summer as we get ready for what should be a crazy fall with three TV series, a video game, and a movie. Uh, it's just a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Uh, but but that's it. Um, again, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Radio Dakar. All the previous Radio Dakar episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Until next time, uh, thank you for listening. May the Force be with you.